Would you turn this morning, please, to uh, John, Gospel account of John, the 13th chapter, John 13. We've been talking in Sunday mornings, as you know if you've been here, on the subject of the love of God. How many believe this to be a great subject? The love of God doesn't get much more important than this. God is love. So when you're talking about love, you're talking about God. Could you talk about God too much? Some people think so. Well, they just all the time talking about God. It's God this and God that. God did this and God did that. Well, yeah. And if you don't talk like that, then you ought to start. Because if you're not talking about that, you're probably talking about what you did, what you thought, what you want, or something else that's not profitable. But let's read our text in John 13 again. And let's pray together and believe for utterance once we read this. Get into exactly what the Lord would have us to say and see and do this morning. John 13, verse 34. Jesus is speaking, John 13, 34, says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. What is the commandment? Who gave it to us? Jesus, the Master, the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, gave us this commandment. What is it? That we love who? One another refers to? Your fellow Christian. Yeah, we're to love non-Christians and care about them, but that's not specifically what this said. This is a specific charge for you to love your fellow Christian. For your fellow Christian to love you. That you love one another. He was talking to his disciples. And we today are his disciples. As I have loved you. Now that's how we're to love each other. Like he loved us, that you also love one another. One another. Everybody say one another. another. By this, by this loving one another as he has loved us, shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. So this is the bulk of our witness. You know, people are led to repentance not by preaching condemnation on them. If you'll notice, we have purpose not to preach condemnation in this church. Hmm? Well, purpose to. If I, if I make a mistake and preach some, you'll hear me repent. I'm believing not to. And I said, why is that like that? Because there's been hundreds of years of traditional preaching. That's been preached over us and put into our thinking. And uh, people, even today, millions believe that the gospel message is, you're going to hell, you sinners. Sorry, rascals, if you don't change, you're going to hell. Sinners? Well, gospel means good news. Right? You're going to hell, you sinners. Is that good news? That's bad news. You're going to hell as bad news. Right? Well then that, what is the good news? The good news is. 
Jesus took our sins upon him. Amen. He was judged in our place for all of our sins. I've had people, you know, uh, find out I was a minister and then act like they was embarrassed because they were, they, you know, had a habit that they were doing around me. And I've looked at people before and said, hey, that's not the deal. You know, people focus on peripheral stuff and not the real issue. The issue is a person's fellowship with God, their relationship with God and their fellowship with God. If somebody's got a habit, there's no need harping about the habit. If somebody gets close to God and they get to walking close to God, those things will fall off. God will deal with them and he'll give them the strength to deal with it. A lot of times people are doing stuff. They don't want to do it. They're sick of it themselves. But they can't seem to find the strength in themselves to deal with it. So if you're a member of the church here and part of the church here, let me just remind you. Don't harp on people about habits. Don't preach against stuff. Don't preach against drinking. Don't preach against doing drugs. Don't preach against this stuff. Preach for something. Amen. Amen. Get to God. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Find out what he wants you to do. Serve him. And you'll find when people get to doing this every day and night, this other stuff will fall off. And if you've had something you've dealt with that's embarrassing to you, don't stay away from church. Come to church. We won't condemn you. We love you. We won't say it's okay, but we won't bother you about it either. We just feed you till you get strong enough to get over it. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? And if you know somebody that's been laying out because they're embarrassed because they got into sin some way or another. Well, you know, you don't run from God when you're having trouble. Come to God. Amen. He's the one, only one Hallelujah. that can help you and get you out of this. Amen. No. So it's not about if you cuss or about if you smoked dope or about if you, you took a pill or about if you uh, slept with somebody. I, you know, these things, we're not saying they're okay. We're not saying they're good. But the big thing is where's your heart? Amen. Where are you with God? Yeah. And we get that right, these other things are going to be right too. Amen. How many know that to be so? Amen. Amen. He said, by this, this is your witness, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. Well, love is not interested in condemning somebody. Love is not trying to fix the blame. Love wants to fix the problem. Help each other. And a huge part of Christianity is that, helping each other. We've seen this. Go over to the 15th chapter. 15 and verse 12. 15, 12. This is my commandment. Jesus said that you what? Love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this. That a man lay down his life for his friends. Lay down his life. Sacrifice. Being a Christian means being a person of love. Being a Christian means being a person of service. Go with me please to the book of Galatians. 
And let's look at some things and, and begin to see what a central theme this is in the New Testament. Galatians. Galatians 2.20, let's read first of all. Galatians 2.20. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And what? Gave himself for me. Now we're to love each other, right? We're command, that is the New Testament commandment. All the law and the prophets is summed up in this, that we love each other. How? As he loved and loves us. How did, how did he love us? He loved us and he gave himself for us. How did he love us? He loved us and he gave himself for us. Why would you do that? Why would you give yourself for somebody else? Because you love them more than you do yourself. Did you hear that? Oh, this is so important. Talking about the love of God. He said, if we, you know, he, he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But when you say that, it has this, I don't know, this unscriptural religious mentality with it. When people think about laying down their lives, they think, ah, oh, yeah, who? I know, yeah, you probably should, but probably nobody really does, and... Lord, help us. And next, let's hear something next. But no, as we talked last week, this is not a negative thing. It's not a negative thing. And if you do it, you don't do it mournfully. Remember what he said in 2 Corinthians 12? We looked at this last week. We said love does no harm. And we said love gives. Right? Giving is the chief expression of love. The greatest expression of love is not saying you love somebody or saying you have feelings for somebody. The greatest expression of love is giving to them. Isn't that what the scripture says about the Lord? God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. And the Lord loved us so that he what? He gave. Can you see why the devil fights giving so much? Yes. Now don't get scared. I'm not, I'm not getting ready to take up another offering. <laughs> Though we ought to be open to it if the Lord let us to. Right? Yes. But giving is not just something that you're to do once in a while when you're in church. Your giving is something that you are. Yes. God is love. Yes. Love gives. You're a love child of a love God. Amen. So you live to give. Amen. You love to give. Amen. You enjoy giving. Amen. If you don't, you're not walking with him close like you should be. Amen. But now the selfish part of you being, the flesh that, and, and part of your mind that hadn't been renewed, it wants to get. Yes. 
It's more interested in you giving to me. What you going to do for me? What are y'all going to do for me? That's how it thinks. Give me, give me, give me. But the love of God that's shed abroad in your heart is thinking about what can I give? I mean, when you get close to God, you'll go to your house and you'll pull out all your drawers and you'll go, what have I got in here I can give? You go get in your closet and go, what can I give? You go get in your garage and go, what can I give? Anybody been thinking like that? Hmm? We need more hands. Really now, if you hadn't, you hadn't, but let's get stirred up. When you, when you think like this and you're full of the love of God, you get up thinking, what can I give? And it's a lot more than just money. Some of those precious things to give are not money and things. You give of your time. You give of your talents. You give of your faith. You give of your love. Some of the most valuable things some people have ever given me is they believed in me. And I knew it wasn't just empty words. I knew they really did. And even if others didn't, they did. Amen. You know, uh, there's two or three people over the course of my ministry that have done this. And, oh, it means volumes to me. And one of them called me one time and he said, uh, he said, I just wanted you to know that I heard some stuff about you. And I told these folk to their face that they're liars. (laughs) I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, well, and I knew what they were talking about. I said, well, you want me to tell? He said, you don't have to tell me anything. I know you. You didn't do any of that. You didn't say any of that. I said, thank you. That means something to you. Doesn't it? He said, you don't have to explain to me. I know, I know better. I know you. You didn't say that. You didn't do that. Well, that's, that's worth more than money. That's worth more than stuff. They gave me faith. They believed in me. Amen. And when you are sowing like that, how many know it's going to be coming back to you? If you believe in others, It's going to come back to you. People are going to believe in you. If you support others, people will support you. You know, I don't think it's an accident. I know uh, the Lord blessed us to be able to serve Dr. Kenneth Hagin for 20 years or so. And uh, we worked in uh, the healing school, prayer school, and different places and sowed uh, for years without pay. Didn't, you know, it was right. Just just sowed our, our help. And you know, for years, we have not wanted help. We have more help than we know what to do with sometimes. Amen. Amen. You sow help, you reap help. You support ministries, you'll reap support. You be a friend, you'll have friends. Amen. Amen. Give loyalty, people will be loyal to you. So instead of asking for loyalty, asking for friendship, be a friend. Sow something. Invest something, and how many know the law of sowing and reaping is a fact? It'll come back to you. Multiplied. The Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. I'm going to ask you again, how could he do that? Why would he do that? Huh? Because he loved you and I more than he did himself. Right? It's the only way you could do that. Now go on to Galatians 5, please. 
Well, we're not ready for Galatians 5. Go to Philippians 2, how about it? We're not ready for that either. (laughs) Hold your place and, and go to Romans real quickly. Hold your place in Galatians and go to Romans 12, please. We could quote this, but I want you to let your eyes rest on it. Then we'll go to Philippians. Then we'll go to Galatians. What do you think? Romans 12, then Philippians 2, then Galatians. Romans 12, are you there? Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, doing what? Preferring one another. Kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and in connection with this brotherly love in honor or in esteem or in value do what? Prefer. Preferring one another. Keep that in mind. Go to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 and 3. Philippians 2, 3. Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same, what? So we're talking about love, being of one accord and of one mind. This is Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, what? Better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, let me me review again a little bit for you. Love does no harm. And we talked about this. And love builds up. And love, or, or love edifies, same thing. Love gives, we talked about last week. And today, love prefers slash serves. Love serves. Love prefers. Why would you show somebody else preference? Can we do this? Is is this something he really told us to do? Esteem other people better than you. Huh? And yet people are brought up being taught, well, ain't nobody better than you. (laughs) You're not better than anybody else and nobody's better than you. And don't let anybody tell you that. Well, where's that at in the Bible? You see, people build their life on things that's men's thinking and tradition. Can you esteem? Now, is that what it says? Hmm? It didn't say they were better than you, did it? Huh? Didn't say they were better than you. But it said for you to do what? Esteem them like they are. Right? And in doing so, you'd show them preferential treatment. You'd prefer them. 
And in doing so, if you treat them like they're better than you, you'll serve them. And in treat, if, if you treat them like they're better than you, you'll give of yourself for them. Because you love them more than you do yourself. Amen. Friends, this is Christianity. Yes. This is the heart of being like the master. Didn't he come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many? Isn't that what he said? Was it Mark 10 or so? He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Now, nowhere is this better illustrated than in John 13. Why don't you just turn there? What we call the Last Supper. John 13. Sit out loud as you turn. Love prefers. Esteems others. Better than myself. And love. Serves. Love serves. And uh, if you notice, you know, Jesus' ministry, what was his primary focus? What was his uh, main objectives and his main methods of operation? Well, number one, he spent time with the Father. Isn't that right? Pray sometimes all night long. And, And knew what he was supposed to teach and preach when he came out. Knew what he was, who he was supposed to choose to put in positions, right? Of his 12 and and then his 70. Knew what he was supposed to do. Then, number two, he ministered to the people. Didn't he? I mean, he'd minister to the multitudes, teach and preach half a day at a time, lay hands on thousands. I mean, that was a primary focus. So their needs would be met, delivered and healed and set free and questions answered and those kind of things. And then thirdly, he ministered to his ministers. Is that right? The twelve that he had under him. And then, you remember, they appointed seventy. Can you see what was going on? The Lord was leading him to multiply himself. Right? Right? Through the twelve, Amen. then through the seventy, and then if time, if he'd have kept ministering, what would have happened next? Multiplied. It would have just been multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. Why? Because Jesus' ministry is the Father's will and person manifested in the earth. He said, I only do what I see him do. I only say what I hear him speak. I do always those things that please him. In fact, his life was such a manifestation of the Father's words and will and way that he said, if you've seen me, you've seen him. What's our call? The same thing for Jesus to be, you know, in in communing with him, Jesus is manifested to us. In ministry, Jesus is manifested to us. But God wants Jesus manifested in us and through us to other people. And we're supposed to be a church full of ministers. Or a church full of servers. Is that right? 
In John 13, what a picture of service this is. The Bible said that Jesus knew his hour was come in John 13. And verse 3, knowing the Father had given all things to his hands, that he was come from God and went to God, John 13, 4 now. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself like a servant. After that, he poured water in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then comes he to Simon Peter and Simon said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus said, What I do you know not now, but you shall know hereafter. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I wash you not, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Well, Lord, not my feet only, but my hands and my head. It's good to know when you're wrong and when to change and not dilly-dally about it. Right? Jesus said to him, He that is washed needs not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. Verse 12, he said, after he had washed their feet and taken his garments, he was set down again. He said to them, know you what I have done to you? You call me master and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet. Is that service? Huh? Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, their feet probably needed to be washed. In those days, it wasn't all the carpet and pavement that we have today. A lot of dust around. And a lot of people didn't wear clothes, shoes. It was open, sandal tight. So your feet got dusty every time you went somewhere. And that was a common thing. When you come into a nice, clean house, you take some water, wash your feet off. And there were servants that did that kind of thing. And Jesus, sitting at the table, the master, head of the church, after they ate, he takes off his outer garments and wraps a towel like the lowliest servant. And he takes a basin and takes their feet, the lowliest, dirtiest part of their their body, and begin to wash them. Demonstrating something. Service. Everybody say love. love. Serves. Love serves. Say it again. Love serves. If you're a real Christian, you serve your fellow believers. You serve God, and that's how you serve God is in serving your fellow believers. Now, you can be a believer and not serve, but you can't be a real disciple of His, a real Christian. How many want to be not just a believer, but a Christian, a disciple of His? In service. Now you do understand that we live in a selfish world. Don't you? Oh my. Selfish. And the selfishness is so prevalent. That a lot of things are just not even noticed anymore. Selfishness. And people just don't have time. Everybody say time. Time. They don't have time for anybody else because they're too busy with their own stuff. Now we, 
I don't know if you remembered or not, but some months ago we talked about developing a reservoir of time and money. Anybody remember that? Getting ourselves in position where we've got more time. Getting ourselves in position where we've got money to do things for others. We may have to lop off some uh, hobbies. We may have to do some, some less recreation. Less work. So called. People say, well, I gotta have my time, my private time. You'll find nothing will satisfy you inside like helping somebody else. Hmm? He went on to tell them, he said, you call me master and Lord, you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. The servant's not greater than his Lord. Neither is he that sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you. Everybody say happy. Happy. You want to be happy? Get a foot washing mentality then. It takes time to wash somebody else's feet. Hmm? And you can say, hey, I got dirty feet at home. Do you hear this kind of thing? Yes, well, brother, I'd like to. I'd like to be involved, but I got I got this and I got that, and we just opened this, and the kids have got this, and they got games every night, and we got this, and we got, and they think it's legitimate. Yeah. But you got to pull back and say, what did the Lord say about this? Did the Lord direct us to do these things, or did we just add them on? Because the enemy, have you noticed, the enemy is a master of preoccupation. Have you noticed that? Oh, man. If he can't get you to just stay busy in sin, he'll try to get you occupied in other maybe legitimate things, but they're not what the Lord told you to do. And you get involved in all these projects, and you're a member of this club, and you're part of this group, and you do this, and you gotta be at this meeting, and you gotta be at that meeting. Next thing you know, all your time is consumed. And you're not doing what the Lord wanted you to do, directed you to do in the first place. How many believe God can purge us? He can, how many are willing for Him to purge you? All right, let's just ask him right now then. Just close your eyes. Say it out loud. Father God, I'm asking you to reveal to me anything in my life that's a dead work, that's just a work of flesh, anything that takes away from time and energies, resources that you would I should be doing something else with. I am yours. I present myself to you. My life is yours. My time is yours. My energies are yours. Hallelujah. Now expect for him to show you some things. Things that that we do that he didn't tell us to do are a drain. Because you're not graced to do them. You're just doing them in the effort of your own flesh. 
and it will wear you out. Do you know that's why so many people are so tired? So tired. It's not because they, they just have so many things they have to do. No, they're doing a lot of things they shouldn't be doing. And that's why they're worn out and tired. You know how I learned some of these things? I remember one time I was praying about this. I was telling the Lord, I said, Lord, it seems like I don't have enough time to do everything that I'm supposed to be doing. This is years ago, thank God. I've learned a little bit since then. I, I said, Lord, I, show me what I need to see. It seems like I don't have enough time to do everything. And this is what he said to me. I don't mean to heard an audible voice, but distinctly inside me. He said, Keith. If you don't have plenty of time to do what I direct you to do, you are wasting time. You're wasting time. Now, I would add on things he didn't tell me to do. That's my words. But you're wasting time. So many things people think they've got to do. Don't have to do. Be better off not doing. Learn how to say no. I said, learn how to say no. He'll say, oh, we're, we're ready. We're going to go over here and we're going to do this and, and we're going to shop all day. Well, if, if it was right to do, okay. But if the Lord dealt with you, stay home and be quiet and rest, then you're disobedient to go. Right. Yeah, but everybody wants to go and they're ready for you to go. I'm sorry. I'm not going to go. Why? You don't have to have a reason. People think they have to explain everything and, they, and, and even tell lies about stuff. Just say, I'm not coming. I love you, but I'm not coming. (laughs) What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. I'm just staying. Well, what's wrong? You don't like us anymore? Well, don't be so insecure. Yeah, I like you. (laughs) Don't be a baby. Nothing wrong between me and you. Unless you want to try to start something. (laughs) Make a big deal out of this. No, no. Go have fun. I'm going to take a nap and pray. Everybody say, take a nap nap. and pray. pray. What an idea. (laughs) Take a nap and pray. Go with me back to Galatians. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Master. Galatians 5. Love gives. Love serves. Galatians 5 and 13. He said, brethren, you have been called to what? Liberty. Liberty. Freedom. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, do what? Serve one another. Everybody say love serves. We've been made free. We've been redeemed. We've been made rich. We've been healed. Been made righteous. Been given authority. Why? So we could sit up in our big house with our fancy clothes and go, Whoo! I'm rich. I'm healed. 
I'm free. That sounds kind of shallow, doesn't it? If it just stops there. Why are you healed? Why do you have strength? So you can help somebody. So you can serve. Why did God get you out of debt and put money in your pocket? So you can bless somebody. Amen. Why would God give you the ability to travel and go anywhere and plenty of clothes and strength so he can use you? Amen. Drop in on somebody that's hurting. Pray them through. Bring faith and strength with you. We are saved to serve. Say that loud. Saved to serve. I'm saved to serve. What did Jesus do when he was in the earth? I mean from early to late. He, Jesus never got up in the morning and thought, what do I want to do today? He never did. He always did what pleased the Father. What pleased the Father? People being saved. Getting delivered. Getting healed. Getting helped. Getting fed. That pleased the Father. So that's what he did every day. All day long. All night long. That's what he did. Father pleaser meant serving his brothers. What about you and me? We're Christians. Christians. Those like the Christ. Amen. He lived to give. He lived to serve. We live to give. We live to serve. I mean... He gave everything, didn't he? He gave all his time. He gave his heart. He gave his faith. He gave his words. He gave his energies. And at the end, he gave his spirit. Gave his soul. Gave his mind. Gave his body. Gave every drop of his blood. That's our example. I said, that's our example. You know, people, and I'm using the word advisedly now, they need you when they need you, not when it's convenient for you. Have you found that out? There's been a number of times, especially as you get busier in ministry, Phyllis and I, something come up and the Lord deal with us, so-and-so is needing some money. Just pick it up in the spirit. And you look at your accounts and it's not a good time for you to give. Have anybody ever identified with that? The Lord dealt with you? I've never had the Lord ask me, Keith, is it a good time for you to give? I've never had him ask me that. Because he knew what I had and didn't have before he dealt with me. Right? And uh, go visit somebody. Go uh, be in this meeting and support somebody. And you're thinking, Lord... I just got through. It's not convenient. You'd like to just do nothing for a little bit. And sometimes he lets you. He believes in vacation too. Don't misunderstand me. Now he won't won't push you till you fall and then kick you and say, get up boy, we got work to do. That's not him. That's the devil. God believes in vacations. But there are times when it's not convenient for you and you'd rather do something else. But you know, they need some help. They need the money. 
So what do you do? Love serves and love is glad to do it. That's when you get up and you stir yourself up. If you have to, you get some toothpicks and you poke up the corners of your mouth. And you go, oh yeah, here we go. We're going to help somebody. Amen. Everybody say we're going to help somebody. Going to help somebody. Every day, every day. Every day we're going to help somebody. How many know Jesus never went a day and didn't help somebody? Every day God was using him to help somebody. I don't care if it's baking them a little fried pie or making them a little fried pie. I don't care if it's putting a gallon of gas in their car. Start where you are, but help somebody. This is how you develop. You've heard us say this in different variations and forms, but you understand the Christians of the modern church have been robbed of their development. And they've been kept in a babyhood stage decade after decade because they think all there is to being a Christian is coming and sitting and listening and leaving. You'll never develop as a Christian unless you begin to serve. I said unless you begin to serve. Not just for the fivefold ministry. Everybody is supposed to be helping somebody. And it's when you get excited about it that you know you're on the right track. Oh, do I have to? I'm so busy, Brother Keith. I hadn't got time. No, no, no. Your priorities are wrong. We've already prayed and the Lord's going to answer that prayer. He's going to show you some things over the course of this next week. He's going to put his finger on some things and he's going to say, no, you need to quit that. Eliminate that, stop that, cut that in half, and do this, and open this up. And then you'll say, well, what am I going to do? He said, I'll show you. Yeah, but that'll be half a day. What am I going to do for that half a day? He'll show you. That'll be a half a week. What am I going to do? He'll show you. Set aside this money. Start setting aside some extra money in this account. We've already talked about this, haven't we? Anybody remember that? Develop reservoirs of time and money. So when the, so the Lord can put his finger on you and go, all right, go do this. Amen. Take that money and do this with it. Yeah. Well, he can't tell you to do something with it if you don't have it. Thank you, Lord. It's happening. Yes. Galatians. What did he say? Don't use your liberty. Don't use your freedom as an occasion to the flesh as to just do what you want to do. We are saved, we are free, we are healed, we are prosperous, but we're not, we we haven't been given all this liberty just to do what we want to do. By love, do what? Serve one another. Say it out loud, please. By love, serve one another. Say it again. By love, serve one another. One more time. By love, serve, serve one another. Serve one another. Can you hear that ringing in your spirit? Can you understand that's not just Brother Keith saying it? Huh? Can you understand this is the Lord talking to you? Serve one another. It's all through the New Testament. Serve one another. I think I could say it for an hour. Serve one another. It's the key to your happiness. It's the key to your fulfillment. When the curse had entered the earth in the beginning... And uh, Cain killed his brother. And you remember the Lord came down to him after he had done this terrible deed. And he said to him, he said, uh, Cain, where is Abel your brother? 
You remember that? Hmm? And you can see already how sin has come in and how selfishness is ruling in the minds of men. What did he say? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Did you hear that? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? What's the answer to that? Yeah. You ought to know. Right? If they're hurting, we want to know. If we can help them, we want to know. And, and yeah, the church, we, uh, we help people all the time. Hardly a week goes by, we don't do something for somebody monetarily. But when you know about a need within the church, don't just pick up the phone and call the church. You check you. Huh? I said, you check you. What should I do? Because a lot of these things should be taken care of just, and nobody else will ever find out about it. Amen. It's just done. Amen. Amen. And then it loosens up resources for other things. Amen. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. Yeah. Am I to look out for you? Yes. Are you to look out for me? Yes. Look not on your own things, but every man on the things of others. Amen. Don't live to please yourself, but to serve other people. This is such a big subject. I believe you're willing. But there's a lot more revelation needs to occur in us. Doesn't there? Would you stand up? I want us to believe for some things right now. I want us to pray. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Praise God. Let's believe God right now. For some miracles to happen inside people. Close your eyes. It's a miserable life. Being self-centered and selfish. And there's no condemnation being preached here this morning. We don't want anybody to feel bad. About being selfish. Just quit being selfish. Don't want anybody to feel condemned. Just Just quit. And live to serve. Father right now in the name of Jesus. I'm praying over us all. Let there come a quickening inside. A revelation of this. And Lord these words let them ring. In our inner being. Until we know the fullness of what this means. And how to live it. And how to walk it out. By love serve one another let these words be etched in the heart in the mind of every person here by love serve one another Lord we're asking you everybody said out loud with me so it's all of us asking Lord we're asking you Cause this church to be an active family, a family of service, a family who live to give, who live to serve, and who demonstrate living faith and living love. Lord, let us not be 
a stagnant, self-serving, self-centered, do-nothing church. May it not be. Let us not be focused upon ourselves, enclosed upon ourselves, for this will make us miserable. But thank you for causing us to know the length and breadth, the depth and height, the fullness of the love of God, which passes understanding in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, just lift your hands and thank Him a little bit. Praise Him. Change is happening in hearts. In minds, no more living unto ourselves, but living unto Him, serving Him, ministering unto Him. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.